0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network
1: proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2.
0: Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out as Stanton goes down. That's eight. Strikeouts. Shane McClanahan.
1: coming up we'll recap the action from this past week take a look around major league baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game First pitch to him line back up the middle but there is franco to the left of the bag he turns and throws him out and the rays have won it in atlanta here's
0: your host neil solons Hi, everybody, and welcome to our latest show. Today, you'll hear from Yandi Diaz on why Tampa Bay is special to him and why this has been his best season here. Doug Wechter joins us from Bally Sports Sun to discuss the week on by. We'll chat with Durham's Tristan Gray, who leads the race organization in homers. We'll introduce you to minor league catching coordinator Tomas Francisco and discuss the wild card race with Marley Rivera of ESPN. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball. Our feature guest this week is Yandy Diaz, joined by translator Manny Navarro. Thank you so much for your time. Conmigo están Yandy Diaz y Manny. Gracias por tu tiempo.
2: <laughs> Gracias a ti por, por la entrevista. Thank you for you for the interview.
0: Well, I think that
3: this is your best season with the Rays. What do you think? Creo que este es tu mejor temporada con los Rays. ¿Qué te parece?
2: No, se so me siento contento hasta ahora con el trabajo que he hecho, ¿sabes? Ojalá poder seguir así para poder ayudar al equipo. I feel very good at
4: the the season I've been having, and I feel very happy in the way I'm able to help out the team.
3: I
0: also think that this you're more comfortable uh, each year here. Do you agree?
3: También creo que te sientes más cómodo cada año aquí. ¿Estás de acuerdo?
2: Yes, yeah, it's todos los años me siento como más más contento de estar aquí con con el equipo y ojalá poder permanecer más años aquí. true. You know, every year I've been here, I've been
4: a little bit more happy with the team and hopefully I can spend more time here.
3: Why are you more, uh, more comfortable? Porque estas you uh, más cómodo.
2: Porque creo que desde el de primer día que llegué aquí me siento como como una familia, no son mis compañeros equipo, son como una familia. Y, y en nosotros en, en otro equipo que he estado nunca he estado tan contento como, como con este equipo.
4: You know, Since the first day I've been here, it's been more like a family. You know, my teammates don't feel like teammates; they feel more like a family. And then on the other team that I've been on, it didn't feel that way.
3: Do you remember much about when you were traded to the Rays? What you were thinking? Recuerdas cuando fuiste a cambiar a los Rays? ¿Qué estabas uh, pensando en this momento?
2: Tú sabes que muchos no saben que yo siempre cuando las poquitas veces que jugué contra Tampa siempre había querido estar aquí y gracias a Dios me dieron esa oportunidad en 2019 y me lo cogí bastante contento porque quería jugar aquí no sé un año dos años porque quería jugar aquí.
4: No, a lot of people didn't know, but the few times that I did play against the Rays, I had the urge to want to play for the Rays. So when in 2019 I was able to come over here, I thought, well, maybe I can play two or three years there.
0: It's worked out
3: okay, hasn't it? Uh, what's been your favorite moment? Yeah, on a
2: personal level, uh, the,
4: the wildcard game in Oakland uh, was one of my favorite moments. But I think, uh, in general, it's going to the World Series.
0: My favorite moment was in Oakland, too. Uh, do you know why? Uh,
3: mi momento favorito para ti fue en Oakland, ¿sabes por qué?
2: No, tanto mundo sabe. Gracias a Dios pude conectar esos dos jonrones para poder ayudar al equipo a ganar. I
4: think everybody knows that I was able to connect to those two home runs to help the team win.
0: It's what you said, though. Juan Uribeo asked you if you were afraid of the fans, and do you
3: know what you said? Uh, Juan, tu, tu amigo Juan, preguntó si tenías miedo a los fanáticos. ¿Sabes lo que dijiste?
2: Sí, me acuerdo que dije que como que no tenía miedo porque ya había jugado en Cuba y en Venezuela, así que los fanáticos no, no, como que no me han intimidado.
4: I, I told them was that I played in Cuba and Venezuela, so the, the fans here didn't scare me. Yeah,
3: porque lo, los fanáticos
2: tenían los, las pistolas, sí.
5: <laughs>
2: sí, tú sabes en, en Venezuela eh, muchos fanáticos tenían pistolas, así que por eso no tenía miedo okay. a jugar.
4: Venezuela, well, yeah, a lot of people do have guns. That's why I wasn't scared to play there.
2: <laughs> you know, you are
3: always smiling and having fun. Where does that come from? Uh, siempre sonries, uh, divi- uh, diviertes. Uh, ¿De dónde viene eso?
2: Tú sabes, no soy una persona que como que me ría mucho, pero siempre trato de, tú sabes, de mantenerme contento, y eso siempre lo he mantenido.
4: I might not be a person that smiles too much, but I like the person that's always happy, and I think that's what I'm able to show off.
3: Who's like that in
2: your family? ¿Quién en tu familia es como eso? I
4: think most of my family is kind of the same way. You know, we don't really you know smile or do too much. I think it's just more so the people that you're around affects that. In, in,
0: on the field, you're always good at making contact and having lots of patience. When did that start,
3: or how did that come about? In baseball, siempre eres bueno para hacer contacto y mucha paciencia. Uh, ¿Cuándo aprendiste eso?
2: Yo creo que eso desde que, de que tenía creo que unos cinco años siempre tenía esa esa buena paciencia, lo que es de coger la batebol bola y llegarla a base bastante.
4: I think it goes it was way back, Is about five years old, I was able to have a good eye and always, uh, they always, able to get a lot of walks and I think that's where it started.
3: Did you always want to play baseball? Siempre quisiste jugar al baseball? Cuando era niño?
2: No, he dicho que no, la, la pelota no, como que nunca me gustaba, siempre me ha gustado el fútbol, pero siempre tuve un entrenador que gracias a Dios a él estoy aquí ahora, hoy en día, y fue el que me, me ayudó a estar en la pelota.
4: Actually, I wasn't really into baseball yet. I was more into into soccer. But one of the trainer friend of mine, who's still in the picture, is the one that kind of got me more into baseball.
3: In soccer, what position? Que posición in in football? In, in football? You yes, know,
4: since I was fast before, I liked being the forward. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and now? And <laughs> now? See, if if you were playing base, if soccer? Maybe a lo mejor defensa.
4: Probably in defender.
3: Tell me a little bit more about, I I want the
0: fans to learn more about you. Tell me your story. Uh, How old were you when you started playing baseball? Quiero que
3: los fanaticos aprendan más sobre ti. Dime tu historia y cuántos años tenías cuando empezaste a jugar baseball. Empecé como
2: tenía como seis, seis años. Pero era como, tú sabes, como callejero. Pero como profesional así cuando tenía diez años. Uh, I was probably about
4: six years old when I started playing, more so just on the streets. More organized, I was about ten years old.
0: I can't imagine the challenge of leaving Cuba. Tell us, our fans, what was the
3: hardest part. No puedo imaginar el desafío de salir de Cuba. Díjale a los fanáticos uh, cuál fue la parte más difícil de eso.
2: La parte más difícil fue la, cuando la primera vez que salí, que mi abuela estaba en el hospital, que estaba muriéndose. The, the
4: first time I was going to leave, uh, my, my grandmother was in the hospital, so she was already dying. So the hardest part was, you know, saying farewell to her. And then obviously the four times after that as well is memorable.
0: And your first year in the country
3: in... in The United States, what was most difficult? Tu primer año en este país, ¿qué fue lo más difícil? La cultura, el idioma, etc.
2: Yo creo que fue más eh, el idioma porque no, yo no sabía ni decir sí en inglés. Entonces, eso fue lo que más me me afectó. Y a la hora de comprar, por ejemplo, McDonald's, no sabía cómo pedirlo porque no sabía el idioma.
4: The hardest part was definitely the language. You know, I didn't know anything. I I didn't even know how to say yes. So, for example, trying to order at a McDonald's was very difficult.
0: And now, you're still very close with your family. You speak to
3: your mom every day. Along with your wife, is she the most important person? Hablas con tu mamá todos los días? Sí. Y con tu esposa, es ella, tu persona, lo más importante? Sí, tú sabes, con mi
2: mi mamá hablo todos los días. Pero mi esposa, desde que estoy en Cuba, desde que tengo 17 años, estoy eh, con ella junto. Y y hasta ahora ha sido la la persona más importante hoy en día en mi vida.
4: Yeah, you know I speak to my mom every day and also my wife. Uh, we've known each other since I was 17 years old, uh, so she's been with me, uh, you know, up until this point. And yeah, she's one of the most important people with me, you know, present day. Not, you know, now that my grandma's not here.
3: Do you think it's possible that someday soon you will see her, either here or in Cuba? ¿Crees que algún día la verás aquí o
2: en el Cuba? Sí, yo creo que sí. Ojalá dios me permita poder ir a Cuba o poder traerla, pero yo quiero que sea sí, que día la veas.
4: Yeah, hopefully one day, God permitting, you know, I'm, a, I'm able to go back to Cuba or she's able to come back here. Hopefully.
3: I hope it happens soon. Espero que ocurra pronto.
4: Yeah, hala, hala, así sea. Uh, hopefully that's how it is.
3: If you were not playing baseball, what would you be doing now? Would you be a bodybuilder? Si no estuvieras jugando baseball, que estaras haciendo? Serías un levantador de pesas,
4: ¿no?
2: No, tú sabes que me, me gusta mucho entrenar la a, a niño. así que si no estuviera jugando pelota, estuviera haciendo entrenador.
4: No, I'm really into being able to train uh, kids, and so if I wasn't playing, I think I'd be a trainer. So, for
0: our fans, what is your exercise routine during the season? ¿Cuál es la rutina de ejercicio
3: durante la temporada?
2: son trabajo cinco veces a la semana trato de hacer cinco veces a semana porque el día que no hago ejercicio me siento como I
4: try to lift about five times a week five times so that on the days off I, I don't want to feel weak
2: What exercise qué ejercicios you know, everything
4: you know uh, legs you know biceps triceps everything and
3: when you're not playing baseball, what do you like to do? Cuando no estás jugando baseball, ¿qué te gusta hacer?
2: Me gusta, eh, digo yo, que soy adicto a ver a, a ver televisor, lo que es películas, a ver YouTube, y eso me paso todo todo el día.
4: I like to say I'm addicted to watching TV. I like watching movies, I like watching YouTube and all kinds of videos. ¿Qué?
3: Okay, what movies? What shows? ¿Qué películas?
2: Me gusta lo más más películas de como de terror pero así como me gusta ver muchos los lo, lo, los programas de de animales.
4: Uh, I like movies like kind of scary movies, terror movies, but for as far as shows, I like watching shows about animals.
0: And I know you like this team. You've been to the playoffs every year. How important is a
3: championship for you? Sé que te gusta este equipo. Has estado en los playoffs todos los años. Qué tan importante es un campeonato
2: para ti? Es muy importante porque ya hemos Como te digo, ya estuvimos en la Serie Mundial, ya sentimos ese sabor lo que es estar en la Serie Mundial y ya lo que nos toca es ganar la Serie Mundial.
4: we have experience now. We have now gotten the feeling of being in the World Series, and so now the next, the next feeling you want to feel is winning the World Series.
3: So for that to happen, what do you need to do? Por si es posible este año,
2: que no simplemente seguir, ojalá que las personas que estén lesionadas, los pitchers ya se no I think all
4: the, the people that are hurt and all the pitchers that are hurt, I think if they were able to return um, back and healthy again, that's going to allow us to get into the World Series. Well,
0: let's hope that happens. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I learned a lot. The fans learned a lot. And I wish you continued success. Gracias por el
3: tiempo. Yo aprendi mucho. Los fanáticos aprendieron mucho. Y el exito continúo. Gracias por la entrevista.
4: Thank you again for the interview.
3: And that is Yandy Diaz
0: with Manny Navarro helping. We will continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Right after this, you're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Let's take a look at the week on by and look forward as well. Joining us, Doug Wechter of Bally Sports On. Doug, thanks as always for being with us.
1: Neil anytime buddy
0: let's start with the man of I guess the hour or you could argue the week and that's Drew Rasmussen how impressive has he been his last two starts and then just his body of work for the year
1: Well, it's been incredible what he's done so far this year. He's done everything that the Rays have asked him to do. Uh, You know, you started with the early part of the year. He's been very consistent every five days going out there and typically going, you know, two times through the order, not really getting extended out past the fifth, maybe the sixth inning. Uh, But up until that point, he's been really good. And then you see the trend of what he's done in the last couple times out. I mean, it's been incredible. He's gone out there. And, Neil, I even talked to you about this a little bit yesterday. You know, his breaking ball and his cutter – over the last two outings have looked so good. He's getting the swing and miss now, and that swing and miss has been imperative to help him get a little bit deeper in the games but just really hold down the opposing team. Uh, his ability to go get that strikeout at any point in time in the game has really elevated his game to a point where you can see him as a top-of-the-line rotation guy. And I'll tell you what, boy, the Rays keep winning at the clip they do – You know, with every time he gets on the mound, you know, how do you not want to bring him out as one of your top guys and top arms on this staff and uh, just watch him do his thing?
0: And, you know, I don't even know if he's – he probably has exceeded the race, Um, you know, I guess, what they hoped for him, their expectations a little bit, because he's now at 105 innings pitched. You know, Josh Fleming, Shane Boz, and Luis Patino combined 67 innings. I would think those guys they would have thought might have pitched 100 or more this year. 100%
1: agree with you, and the crazy thing is he seems like he's hitting his groove now that he is past the mark of innings pitch more than he's ever pitched before, right? He's going out there, and he's got a workload that has been a little bit more extensive. Uh, than he's ever had to deal with. But I'll tell you what, the Rays, with the way they've handled him all the way throughout the year up to this point, you know, taking extra days in the rotation where they could. You know, three turns ago, they only let him go three innings, which I was surprised when they took him out of the game. I'm looking at everybody like, he's throwing really well. Why are we doing this? Well, they're they're doing it for good reason. It's because they care about him, you know, and his long-term future, but they also care about him having him healthy toward the end of this playoff push. They need a healthy Drew Rasmussen to get where they want to go in the playoffs. And, boy, I'll tell you what, if the trend continues to where he is right now and how he looks, uh, there's a lot of really, really good things coming for the Rays.
0: And speaking of giving guys an extra day's rest, Luis Patino slotted in at the beginning of this homestand, and not only did he slide in, but he pitched really well. How helpful can he be maybe in the month of September if he can continue to do that?
1: Well, you know, I was talking to Kyle Snyder probably two weeks ago, uh, and it was right around the time where Patino actually went down. And, you know, we were talking about his stuff and how they believe in his stuff, and there's just a couple adjustments he still needs to make to consistently be you know, competitive and to be really good at the major league level, and so if he can make those, uh, if he can make those adjustments, then he is absolutely a weapon for the Rays. You know, they really see him as one of those guys who can take over a game and and do it in the playoffs, right? They really believe in what this kid brings to the table, and so to see what he did against Kansas City last time out it was very, very encouraging. You know, the fastball was where he wanted it; he was in the strike zone uh, a large amount of the time. The slider had great Great rotation, great spin to it. And he even mixed the changeup in a little bit more than he had in the past. And so, you know, with the mix that he's throwing right now, the stuff that he's throwing right now, and the confidence and command, you know, it's absolutely a guy that they're looking to, to, uh, you know, potentially take that next step and be a consistent mainstay when he is here in the big league level and uh, helping out here toward the playoff playoff push.
0: I would also say it was encouraging what happened in the Rays' one loss in this series. And I say that because – Shane McClanahan, you know, only allowed two hits in seven innings. He punched out eight. I thought it was much more the Shane McClanahan we saw pre-All-Star break than post.
1: Neil, that's why I always listen to your show because you always give me this optimism, man. Even in a loss, you're like, oh, it's a good sign. Don't worry about it. Um, Look, man, I I agree 100%. You're right on point. Shane McClanahan is right where he was the first half of the season. His stuff is outstanding. There is zero concern with McClanahan and where he is right now. Uh, It's just waiting around five days to let him take the mound. And so, you know, going out, seeing what he did against Kansas City and really, you know, seeing what he's done the last couple outings, um, he is where he needs to be. You know, again, you're talking about a guy who's creeping up there with first full season in the major leagues, and, you know, his innings, his his body of work this year is starting to pile up. Uh, but the Rays have been very consistent on the way they're taking care of these arms, and they've done a great job throughout this season stretching him out Uh, you know, giving him extra days where they can. And now he will be ready for, you know, uh, this August-September time frame. And, you know, that was the plan for him all around. So you're talking about, you know, Drew Rasmussen exceeding expectations. I think pretty much everybody on this staff right now has done that. And it starts with Shane McClanahan.
0: And, look, the Rays are always going to be built on pitching and defense. And we've talked exclusively pitching to this point, Doug, But I think the addition or the return of Manuel Margot and Harold Ramirez this week also plays and may take some pressure off of the pitching staff going forward.
1: You know, Manny Margot, when he went down, he was such a big part of this batting order and really this team in general, everything he brought to the defense, you know, in the outfield. uh, I don't think people talk enough about how good he is out there. And so to have him back defensively, that's one thing. That's a very, very big deal. But, you know, I have him back in the lineup too. Uh, I thought he was a very clutch hitter. The first 51 games he had 27 RBIs and, you know, he's hitting over 300 with runners in scoring positions. So to have a guy like that back in the lineup, that's very big. For the Rays and then Harold Ramirez. You know, uh, you can't say enough about what this dude's brought to the table with the Rays so far this season. Uh, in the dugout, you know, he's one of the guys who everybody loves having around, and you need a guy like that over the course of 162 games to really keep your sanity. I mean, he is awesome to have around, everybody loves him, but then on the field. I mean, his skill set has just made it to another level this year. Uh, he's hitting 370 plus against left-handers. So him and Margot back against left-handers—that's huge. Uh, but he's also hitting right-handers. You know, up to this point in his career, Harold Ramirez really hasn't been super strong against the right-handers. But he was hitting over 300 against right-handers this year. So you know, doing it well from you know against left-handers and right-handers makes him really hard to take out of the lineup at any point in time and uh i'll tell you to have kevin cash talk about you know getting everybody healthy for the first time this year uh that's really good because he's had to talk about the injuries for so long it's nice to see it's nice to see it come back in a positive light
0: yes and still more guys that you know we're certainly hoping will come back with probably Wander franco at the top of that list as we look ahead to today doug how important is today I kind of looked at the homestand and said 6 out of 8 is probably what you want to hope for with Kansas City and the Angels, and and it's a whole lot harder if you don't win today's game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you hate to throw around the term must-wins at any point in time, um, but it's getting close because you're running out of time really in the season, and you have to take advantage of these games against teams that are under 500. You know, you got Kansas City right now. you got the Angels coming in after this. These are the teams you have to beat up on. Uh, They have the ability to take the series today. And, you know, it's really they're feeling good about their chances. they got to find a way to get to Zach Grinke early and maybe get into that bullpen early. Um, but, yes, I, I think today is very important for the race to take and, and, you know, take that momentum into an Angel series where you would hope that they're able to take that one as well because after that it really starts a part of the season where I'll tell you, man, the calendar and the schedule are not being kind to Tampa Bay. So uh, take advantage of these lesser teams now and uh, hopefully take the momentum into that stronger part of the schedule.
0: Less than a minute, Ryan Yarbrough, how important is it for him? Because he's pitched much better lately. He has.
1: Uh, You know, I was just breaking down some numbers. I'm about to jump on the show and talk about him. I think Ryan Yarbrough, the cutter and the curveball have been outstanding for him since coming back. You know, he's got a lot more swing and miss. He went out there in New York, did a great job holding down that big lineup. And really, primarily, it's that cutter and the curveball combination. The curveball now has a 40% whiff rate over the last four starts. And so now that he has swing and miss and the ability to go out there and get weak contact, uh, he's pitching very well. You know, he's also throwing a lot of strikes. Uh, It's big for him, but it's also big for the Rays. He's been picking up some very, very big innings for the Tampa Bay team lately, and they're hoping that he can go out there and do some more of that today against Kansas City.
0: Doug, great stuff. Have a good call, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay, big guy. I'll talk to you soon.
0: That's Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. Let's turn our attention now to the minor league side. Our next guest leads the race organization with 28 homers. That's far and away his career high. That is infielder Tristan Graves with AAA Durham. Tristan, thanks for your time, and thanks for being with us.
6: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Tell me, because you have been a guy who's been known to have power, but what has changed to get that much game production for you? Um, a lot has
6: changed, honestly, especially compared to last year. Um you know, last year was not a year that, that I was uh, excited about by any means, but uh, I got to work on it this offseason, and uh, the biggest change has been uh, hunting pitches and understanding that uh, the at-bat is a kind of a cat-and-mouse game, and I'm, I'm starting to play it, so it's been fun.
0: So is it more approach, or is there anything physically with your swing or your swing path that has changed at all?
6: I would say it's mostly been approach, um, understanding and, and guessing right, uh, what the pitcher's going to throw.
0: How much of that is video work? How much of that is is detail information that the Rays provide? How much of it is what you're seeing in the dugout? Give us a, a feel for how your mind works and, and types of things you're doing.
6: Um, it's a, a lot of it is, is the information that we get uh, from the organization, um, the types of pitches that they throw and what percentages and what counts, um, and honestly, the biggest turnaround for me has been when Brandon Lau came down and uh rehabbed with us for a couple games and I I struck out against this guy and he came up to me in the dugout and said hey like you got to look at these numbers and know that he's not going to throw you that off speed for a strike so if you see it just take it and get to whatever pitch that you think you can hit um so once he told me that that's kind of honestly whenever I've taken off
0: that's pretty interesting that that, you know something like that can kind of trigger a total change because you've always been a guy I think, with with a lot of raw power. But one also thing that stands out is I saw you in spring training and you had also made a transformation physically too. Is that right?
6: Oh yes, I tried to uh, get as big as I possibly could for this season to hopefully consistently hit the ball uh, farther.
0: So how much weight did you gain and how did you go about putting on that weight um, this off season?
6: Yeah, I I probably put on 20, almost 25 pounds. um, And the secret is my mom's cooking so yeah
0: <laughs> so all right so let's get into that so so what what of mom's cooking uh, you know sticks to those ribs and add some pounds and how has how have you been able to hold weight during the season
6: yeah my mom has insane enchiladas and uh, I mean she's a great cook all around so whenever she makes a dinner for us she knows to make a lot more so I can eat it throughout the week so I'm getting tons of food and it's Uh, Sticking and then I just ask her for some of the recipes and she sends them and I don't make them quite as good But they at least get me by
0: I didn't know if you found any places in Durham that that compare anything close to to mom's cooking
6: Uh, She's listening. So there's no nothing close. Nothing compares
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well played how how much of that weight have you held during the season because obviously you're playing in the international league you're playing in the south you're playing outdoors, it's hot. How, how much of the 20 to 25 pounds have you kept on? And where, what weight are you at right now?
6: I'm around 210, I'm, I'm fighting every day to keep it. Um, so I've lost about 15 pounds, um, which you know was all calculated because I knew I was gonna lose. So I was just trying to get as big as possible come
0: into it. Have you felt a change? Like that you're, you're getting to more power because of the added weight? Or is it more the changes you've made in terms of your thinking?
6: I think it's been in terms of my thinking, because I've always felt like I could do this, and that's why I was so frustrated with how uh, last year went. It's because I knew it was in there, but I wasn't allowing myself uh, to do it. So thankfully this year it's it's worked out.
0: You've had the most home runs in your career, but your OPS is also at the highest it's been too. What are you most pleased about regarding your season to this point in time?
6: Uh, my favorite part about this season is, is being able to contribute to the guys that are around me. I felt like last year I was more of a stopper. I was more of a, a guy that killed the rallies as opposed to, to increasing them and keeping them going. Um, it's a lot more fun to win and, and play well, so that's what I'm more, most excited about.
0: You know, in this organization, you know, the Rays obviously value what you're doing offensively, but they also value the defensive end. You're still playing shortstop in addition to both corner spots. Has that been at all a challenge with, with the added weight, or, or how have you felt defensively?
6: I felt really good. I think last year was a good taste of it, being at short and then kind of moving around. Uh, But this year, with uh, just the focus and and also talking to Miles, because Miles is the guy that moves to the outfield and the infield. And I asked him, like, hey, how do you do it? How do you stay so consistent? And he he was honest and said, hey, you can't take a day off. Like, you have to, on the days that you aren't playing a certain position, you have to go practice the others. That's the only way that you're going to get into the game and feel comfortable.
0: You know, you mentioned the benefit that you got from Brandon Lau when he was rehabbing. The Rays have had so many guys come through. Has all of that helped? Are there other guys that you've picked their brain? And how much does hearing from guys who are doing it at the major league level help you grow as a player?
6: Absolutely. I mean, uh, all the guys that have come down um, have been great. And just understanding how the big league, big league lifestyle is um, and also how the game moves up there. Uh, And uh, even Josh coming down and talking to him and just seeing how different it is up there has been great and uh, has allowed me to actually visualize and, and look forward to the time whenever I do get up there or if I do get up there.
0: From an offensive standpoint, you know, we mentioned what you have done from a production, you know, this year. How do you find that balance, though, between because, you know, there is a lot of swing and miss in the game and you want to produce, but you also want to be able to be a guy who, if there is a man at third less than two out, you can get that guy home. How do you balance that?
6: Yeah, I think it was uh, one of our coordinators came through and just talked about the mentality of a two-strike approach um, and how it's not actually cutting down physically, but almost like mentally uh, for whatever. I don't even know how that works, but in my mind it did, um, and I've been working on it ever since, and I felt uh, that that's helped me out a lot.
0: You're obviously playing with a team that's successful too, and you guys started really slow and have kind of turned it on as the year has gone on. How important is winning for you playing with Durham while you're trying to get to the big leagues?
6: It's everything. I mean, it, it makes this whole process uh, seem not as big. It's not, You don't put the pressure on yourself. It's more of uh, trying to do well for your team, and in turn the, the numbers will come. But as long as you try to win, I don't think there's any way that – Uh, you would look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and say that you didn't do everything that you could.
0: And I know there has been some turnover from last year in terms of coaches, but your manager, Brady Williams, is still there. Give our fans a feel for how steady the ship is with him and how helpful he is in helping the group.
6: Uh, It's amazing the coaching staff that we have here. Him and Ray uh, from last year have just been great. Um, You know, We obviously started off tough this year, and they did not waver by any means. Um, uh, they just entrusted in us and told us, like, hey, this is just the beginning. Like, there's so much more baseball to be played. Um, And it it really really gave us a sense that, all right, let's just figure it out and then let's take off. So they've been amazing.
0: And And you guys have obviously done that. And I think they're also the thing that I appreciate is the joy that I see from guys who were in Durham that are here seeing other guys called up. And I'm sure the feeling is mutual down there. What did it mean on Friday to see Kevin Hurget get a call up for the first time as a 31-year-old?
6: My goodness. I mean, that guy is absolutely amazing, uh, an amazing teammate. And honestly, I, I get chills anytime I think about it, uh, just knowing what that moment must have meant to him and, and his family. So uh, it, it's something special here whenever you hear news like that, for sure.
3: Well, hopefully
0: there's a time soon where you get that opportunity as well, Tristan. Keep up the great work in Durham. We appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And that is when Tristan Gray, he's hit 28 homers this year, driven in 74 runs, and has a seven seventy-three OPS so far this year for Durham. He's played in a total of 95 games. Coming up, we will introduce you to Tomas Francisco of Rays Baseball Operations, plus We'll also chat with Marley Rivera of ESPN about the wild card race, which has certainly been quite interesting to this point. You are listening to This Week in Race Baseball, and this is the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Yul Solans. From time to time on this show, we've introduced you to the people behind the players in race baseball operations. Our latest feature is on Tomas Francisco, who works with catchers in the Rays minor league system. Francisco has been with the organization since they were the Devil Rays.
7: We're going all the way back to 2006 when I started as a player, as a free agent, and Uh, down in the DR and I played for the race in the minor six and for four years where I started becoming a coach in 2011, Um, starting going down to the DR as a catching coach, then coming over in 2016 as a hitting coach, spent two years in the GCL, then one year as a manager, and now the last four years as a catching coordinator.
0: Did you, when you were playing, Did you always enjoy coaching or or did you think you would ever want to coach?
7: Yeah, that was something uh, for me that it was was always in my blood because growing up, my my dad got a little baseball school down in the DR. So during the summers, I always helped him somehow hitting some ground balls, uh, helping anything that that I can with him. And I think it always was there. Is it your dad that
0: inspired you to get into the game of baseball to start?
7: Yes, my, my dad, uh, back in the DR, he played baseball. And also, he signed with the Pirates, where his contract got a boy. But he played a lot uh, down there, and he inspired me to be a star in baseball and then as a coach, too.
0: How did you get into becoming a catcher
7: and working with catchers? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, growing up, I was a shortstop. And then when I signed, I remember back in 06, Carlos Alfonso at that time, our scout, told me, hey, you're gonna catch. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So I was one of the guys that converted as a catcher and just something that that I enjoy. Like it's, it's different when you're behind the plate, you got everybody in front of you. You are a leader and I, I really enjoy being behind the plate.
0: Were there certain catchers that you were inspired by growing up in the Dominican Republic,
7: or as you started your playing career before you started coaching? I would say there was only uh, always one guy that I watched growing up, was Jorge Posada. I think the way he handled everything, the way like he he looked to me like a leader and a guy that I always uh, have fun watching play.
0: So when you teach, what are the things that makes a good teacher
7: of catchers oh that's that's really important that's a that's a really good question um i would say just paying attention to the little details now there is a lot of things that are involved in the catching position that the more little details that you can pick and help the guys i I think that's the the most important part because there is a lot of things going on Um, the catchers are worried about setups pre-pitch also making sure that they call the right pitch um uh, doing everything just to help the guy in the mound just to be successful at the end of the day
0: obviously you're helping them too so what do you enjoy most about working with young catchers
7: i would say first getting to know them as a person i think as soon as you start getting uh, to know them as a person like you find little things that, that can help you coach in there and uh, find the, the right spot to do it you know it's a tough position I mean, Especially now during the summer, it's really hot, and you got to pick your spot where, when, and where you're going to start coaching those guys and talking to them.
0: And from your job, do you basically travel throughout the system all year long to sit down with guys and help them grow?
7: Yes. Usually, as soon as spring training is over, um, I like to do four games. So I start in triple A all the way down to the DR. Um, just travel all year around making sure first that the coaches are in the good spot, the catching coaches and also the players. Um, most of the time we just think about the, uh, developing the players, but also we gotta help the coaches develop in, in the long run.
0: And what are the things that today make a really good, what are the things that you look for in the Rays organization and, and for, from catchers
7: and who are the guys who have really, um, impressed you the way they're growing? I think uh in the catching position you know just making sure that they are in good athletic setups and, and all that just to be um really good catchers i would say um one guy that just got traded uh, made a lot of improve this year it was uh tristan cerda the other one that we see in, in the big list right now rene pinto he's coming a long way like he played almost every level for us and Seeing him growing the way he has been, it's been it's been fun to watch him.
0: And how much conversation? I know before you were in this role, Paul Hoover had the same role. How much do you and and Hoover talk, and how much do you help one another?
7: Uh, I would say we we talk a lot. That's a constant conversation that that we have. Uh, we say two three times a week sometimes, um, and we help each other. I think he, I call in uh, my dad even though that we are really closing age wise because he he's been a huge mentor for me and we always uh share information like talk about different things the thing that i've been doing down here the thing that i can do to help him and making sure that everything goes the, the way we both want it making sure that we are on the same page so you started in this
0: organization as a player in 2006 and 16 years later you're still with the
7: organization. What makes this place special for you? Uh, it's my family that, that's how I call it like every time I talk to anybody like what's so special and to me it's the way we treat people, the way we when, um, when we talk with somebody like you feel like this is home and that's that's how I see this organization um the race the race is the family to me and when
0: you're not coaching catchers and when you're not at a facility what do you like to do away from baseball I'm I'm sure your family is quite important you told me about your dad
7: yeah yeah yeah. one thing just trying to spend time with the wife uh, back home and if she's working too um, I like to fish I'm a big fisherman so moved to Florida a couple years ago so on my off time I, I like to fish a lot Is there anything similar or different between fishing and catching
5: that you can relate?
7: I would say you gotta do your homework just the same way you're doing with the catching, that you study your pictures, making sure that you are on the same page. Like you gotta do some some study with the fishing. You gotta know the ties, you gotta know when the tide's coming in, when is the best time to to go out? Because sometimes you sit in one spot and you don't get a bite. So you got to do your homework.
0: And that is Ray's minor league catching coordinator, Tomas Francisco, in our latest feature in baseball operations. And right now, let's turn back to the major leagues and the wild card hunt. Joining me to discuss that and the American League is one Marley Rivera from ESPN. Marley, thanks so much for joining us. What do you make of the American League East, and specifically as it connects right now to the wild card hunt?
5: I think that, Neil, you and I have spent a lot of time in the American League East, you know, in, the, in this division. And one of the things that shines, you know, when these things happen, when you see things getting tight, is how tough this division is. And and, and then you look at the AL Central, you look at the NLEs and the NL West, and you see everyone's leads. And it's just really interesting to watch how we hear it all the time. We just heard Aaron, Aaron Boone refer to it as the juggernaut. And, um, and I think that times like this are the ones that really show us how difficult this league is.
0: And it's going to be hard to get three teams out of this division or yeah. even or four teams out of this division in the playoffs because of that. Oh. Who has the big advantage in this wildcard hunt right now? Obviously, Seattle's the only team in the West really competing.
5: Yes, I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast. I'm actually saying this also because of pitching. And if there is one thing That Tampa Bay Rays have done very, very well for quite some time now is pitching. And if you look across, the only you know, quote unquote, good streak that the Boston Red Sox have had was because they were pitching very well. When the New York Yankees were doing really well, right, and and they were firing in all cylinders, the pitching was the key. And in terms of relief, you know, the, the Yankees are really struggling with relievers. The Red Sox are up and down. We know exactly what happens with the rest of the division. And we know the Blue Jays can be suspect in the pitching and the relief. So that's the reason why I think the Rays have that edge. I mean, obviously, we know, what the Mariners are doing and, and, and they are doing it on both sides of the ball. So it's been fun to watch, but I think a combination, despite all the injuries and given the fact that I'm going to use, uh, give you full credit because you said this before we started recording with the cavalry coming, it is one of those moments where the race are getting healthier at the right time at one point you know with all the injuries particularly of zunino and kk i think a lot of people were writing the raise off but if we really look at it outside zunino right who has been an offensive contributor is not that KK you know defensively and with his presence in the clubhouse of course a complete leader right but offensively he has lagged the last couple of years so it isn't like you know the rays are you know, the offensive team you know whatever they've had great moments right and we know that but it's about pitching so i think that no one can really touch the rays pitching and and that's really you know where i think they're going to go there so
0: in your opinion of all the teams that are fighting for the wild card spots and the and the central division in the american league are the Rays the most dangerous team to Houston and New York right now? Or is it Seattle or is it somebody else that you think has the best chance to beat one of those clubs uh, once playoff time comes?
5: I may say something kind of weird, but, you know, particularly because the record the AL East has against the Central. And and we know that. I mean, one of the things that we're telling Yankee fans who are very angry right now at the awful play that the Yankees have done in, in August is the fact that if they have the second best record you know they likely will play the central and i think there's a little bit of a relief in that but I will mention the Cleveland Guardians, and the reason why I'm mentioning the Guardians as a little is for the same reasons why I mentioned the Rays. It's because of their pitching. We know how good they are, and in short series, they can also challenge. So out of the Central, you know, but I do think the Guardians have a really good chance to take that division. We've seen it; it's up and down, right? But I don't think. I mean, I, I mean, I really don't think they will garner enough wins. That that's sort of you know the the way I feel. We started this conversation talking precisely of how difficult the AL this. And when we look at all the other divisions that are very competitive, besides the NL East, all of them basically have two teams that are 500, right? That are competing for those. That's not what happens in the ALE so, so then I think the Central, only the winner of the division will move on. And I really do not think that a wild card will come out of there unless the White Sox manage somehow to take over the division or the Twins manage somehow to take over the division. Then I do believe the Indians can challenge for that wild card because of the pitching.
0: Okay, on that end, I've thought about this whole wild card situation with three wild cards. <laughs> if you don't get the if if you get three uh, if you're one of the three wild cards and you're not the number one and you're not the home team, I almost would rather be the number three team because you could face this central division winner who I think is either weaker than let's say if you have to face Toronto or Seattle on the road for all those
5: games. I completely agree with you. The only caveat in this, right, is the pitching, given the fact that it's a three-game series. So then, but then, I mean, we had, you know, one game a you're out, you know, a, a do-or-die game. So we've seen this before. I do think a three-game series changes things a little bit, right? And we know that likely better offenses and better teams tend to prevail in those. But it can be very tricky, you know. And those are, but I agree with you. We know. And I feel really bad because we know our good friend Rocco Baldelli is over there. (laughs) And and I hate hating on the AL Central. But I remember clearly once talking to a couple of managers in the AL East who looked over at the Central and just looked at the standings and looked at the records and said, really? Like, it's just really unfair, you know, how difficult it is in the East. And I just had this conversation, a really interesting conversation with Tommy Pham. And I'm mentioning his name, obviously, as a former Ray and now with the Red Sox. Given the fact that Tommy Cam told me all this, you know, th- this situation with the central and it being so much weaker. It will really come to light next year with the competitive. Really looking forward to seeing that, Neil. I agree with you. Even the New York Yankees right now are thinking, you know what? We'll take the winner of the Central, and and, and I agree with you. That three seed sort of guarantees that.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of the Yankees, what's your take on? I mean, it looks like Houston has started to surge to be that top team in the American League,
5: playing the AL West.
0: <laughs> that and that helps. But is is do you think the Yankees are able to get themselves back on track? And is it much like the Rays where they need to get somewhat healthier before October?
5: That's that's the key, right? They are the team that also needs the Cavalry to come. I mean, they believe that maybe that Cavalry was that spark of those young players, right? And bringing up, you know, kids like Esteban Florial, who has been, you know, up and down, was one of the top prospects in the organization at one point. And of course, Oswaldo was Waldo Cabrera. But... In a division like the ALEs and when you're competing for, for so much like the Yankees, unless you get healthier with names like Giancarlo Stan, DJ LeMayhew, and then, of course, Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge and at times Josh Donaldson and so on, right? Like all these guys, they need to contribute. Otherwise, the Yankees, its the Yankees are going to the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> let's be very clear here. It's kind of, I did a comparison yesterday and I looked, you know, coming into, coming into Friday, the Yankees had, a nine-game lead, it is the third-largest lead in baseball. So it just really, we need to keep a little perspective here, and I, they do not get healthier. And if they don't get their pitching together and their bullpen together, I don't know that the Yankees can get out of the divisional, right, that they can actually go to the ALCS and maybe challenge, you know, if it is the Astros there. So, yes, they need to get healthy, Otherwise, it's going to get pretty complicated.
0: Marley, good stuff. We appreciate <laughs> some time in this week in Race Baseball, and we will see you in a couple of weeks.
5: And by the way, I'm completely disappointed that this wasn't done in Spanish. You completely fooled me. <laughs> I was under the impression. I was ready. We're like, vamos a hacer un podcast en español. It's baseball. Que bien. And then it's like, it's all in English. So completely disappointed, Neil. Well, gra- <laughs> gracias por tu tiempo. Siempre, cuando quieras. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: And that is ESPN's Marley Rivera. Really good stuff. And by the way, updating the wildcard situation as we speak, going into games on Sunday, Seattle and Toronto tied for the top wildcard spot with the Rays a game back. And then behind them, it's the Twins a game and a half off the pace, Baltimore two and a half, the White Sox three, and the Red Sox five. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.
1: WTAE St. Petersburg W237CW Pinellas Park WBTP HD3 Clearwater W224BE Brandon and iHeart Radio Station
0: Special thanks to Marla Rivera of ESPN for joining us and all of the guests on the program on this Sunday Yandy Diaz Ray's third baseman, who is certainly having his best year, and we appreciate the help, too, of one Manny Navarro for translating. Tristan Gray of Durham, who leads the organization with a total of 28 home runs so far this year. Doug Wechter from Bally Sports Sun for talking some pitching with us and the return of one Harold Ramirez and Manuel Margot this past week. And we also appreciate the assistance of an individual who we featured on the program. That's Tomas Francisco He is the organization's minor league catching coordinator. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do so at Neil Solons. On next week's show, we will chat with veteran David Peralta about his first month in the Rays organization, that and much more. Special thanks to my producer today, Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solons. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to
4: This Week in Rays Baseball.
0: Breaking go lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone!
1: And the Rays jumping from 4-1. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at raysbaseball.com radio.